Well, it's great to welcome into our service this morning, Church Unlimited City. Wow. City Church, you are immensely loved by Church Unlimited West. We trust that it goes back towards us as well, that you love us as much as we love you. It's so exciting to see what God is doing in Church Unlimited. See, I always love getting in there and ministering to you guys. You're so receptive, so warm, and so passionate about the work of God. And you are marked, believe me, for a great revival. This morning, we're honored to have guest ministry with us. Uh, Prophet David McCracken and his wife is with him, Margaret, as well, all the way from Melbourne in Australia. We've already had a couple of um, sessions uh, with the prophet, and it's just been amazing to hear what God is saying to us. And of course, we so love Australians, don't we, church? All Australians, absolutely. And there's been, uh, you know, he is a recognized New Testament prophet, and so we're honored and privileged to have him join with us today. Could we please stand and welcome to our platform, Prophet David McCracken, to share God's Word with us today. Getting there? Good, good. Well, I'm glad you love Australians, but I'm not an Australian. <laughs> I'm Irish. But I lived most of my life in New Zealand, so I'm I'm an Irish New Zealander living in Australia. It's always, always an honor to be back. And Pastor Tark, thank you for the privilege of doing that. Uh, it's always a great joy. And um, I've got a lot of ground to cover. Am I? Yep. Well, good. Give me a little bit more down here. Um, I, I've got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, so I better get into it. Um, and it's if you're not used to... Um, a prophet or whatever, I'm sure you are. Uh, I don't eat locusts, uh, don't, wear, don't wear camel's hair, but I do do things a little differently. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, my God, that uh, fathers, we've celebrated and held our hearts before you in wonder and awe at who you really are. And Father, we, we delight to be your sons and your daughters here this morning and to know your love as our Father. And my God, we just pray now, Holy Spirit will just reveal all that's in your heart to say, Father, and that this great church and people that you have, that you have pulled together, Father, that you birthed, that you nurtured, will now go on to fulfill the greater sense of mandate that is upon them. So, Father, we ask now that every individual hear the individual voice of God, to them, and we give you alone the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, before I uh, get into all the snippets and the pictures that I've seen for you as a church, etc., um, there's this brother down here, I'm sorry, don't know your name, uh, no, the check shirt, yeah, 
Pardon? David. David. You think I... Well, I, I should remember that. Um, David, I, I was uh, so set on getting into the collective thing that I wasn't even... didn't think I had time to go individual prophesying. But, but I felt the compelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, the phrase that came to me, uh, a people in darkness will see a great light. And there's coming a day and an hour, which of course is under the directorship of your apostolic covering, Pastor Tark, but there's coming a day and an hour when the mantle, the cloak that is on your shoulders will change. Um, and uh, you will be an ambassador of this house to a people that... Uh, yeah, that, that are in darkness. And I felt the Lord say that uh, the key would be your compassion. And, and so I th this is a good, very good season to uh, equip, to allow the stretching of God, uh, to allow the uh, enlargement of knowing him and knowing who you really are. Okay, cool. Um, there's the camera. Hello, city. <laughs> I've been well groomed. <laughs> um, but actually, I was awake this morning uh, and uh, getting right into preparing for you guys. And uh, the word that first came to me was actually for the city campus. So um, uh, I'd like to deliver that first of all. I actually saw, I'm a very picture people, uh, you know, God speaks to me in pictures, and I saw this well and this water of life gushing out of the well to the city, but I, did, I noticed that although it was beautiful, powerful, uh, just great looking scene, um, the to top of the well actually had a lid that was about one third across the well. And um, so, but the two-thirds that was flowing powerfully was, um, was amazing. And then I saw these words, forgiveness, grace, mercy. And then I saw the phrase, loving the unlovable. And I saw that these were like ingredients that when they were activated, they actually removed the remaining third of that lid and the water was then just pummeling out. And I felt to say to the city camp, or to all of us, of course it applies, but for some reason I needed to say it to the city campers in particular that there's a grace on you, an intention from God on you to love the unlovable. To love the unlovable. Okay. Now, friends, when I was in Melbourne, uh, I started to prepare for a visit here. It's been two years since I've been here, and uh, I've forgotten anything that I said last time, the time before, any other time. And Steve and I never communicate about churches to each other. That's a matter of integrity. Um, and so I just start with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, Father, what is 2016 really all about in this church? And as clear as a bell, the Lord said, well, uh, it's not an improvement on previous years. It's actually something decidedly different. It's not a new chapter. It's not a new season. It's a new era. And the word that came to me so clearly was that this year is the birthing of a new era. Decisions made at an incredible 
the uh, fundamental level that would shift everything that would come after it. And so the beginning of a new era means that history changes at that point. Everything is looked back to at that year because that's the year when a whole new era began. And I said, what is this new era supposed to produce? And the Lord said, as clear as anything, is to produce a new level of spiritual authority that will result in greater kingdom conquest. And so a new era, greater spiritual authority, resulting in greater kingdom conquest locally and globally. Okay, and so that's what I believe the whole thrust of these days together is all about. And so I spoke to the staff about what is a new era on uh, Friday uh, afternoon. And then Friday night, I went on and spoke um, to, the, to the leadership about uh, um, our, our relationship with Father, a revelation of Him that would cause us to be people of such impregnable inner security with Him that we would never be threatened, that we would never compare, that we would be able to be bonded in a unity that in itself became indestructible in the hands of God because your unity is what really causes major concern to the demons of darkness. They, they read the Bible. They know that a thousand one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put ten thousand to flight. They've read the Bible. They know that the explosion of the book of Acts came out of 120 people in an upper room who just happened to come to one mind, one accord, in one place. And so what we're doing here uh, over these few days is all to feed into that. And what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning is just another portion of that. And then tonight, another portion of that. But it's all building towards one thing that by that God can prepare us together you together as a church and in the city and in Kaichaya and in Whangarei and in time other campuses to come that that will be so united in purpose and vision but not only in purpose and vision but united in heart we don't want a bunch of colleagues going one way together. We need brothers who love brothers, sisters who love brothers, brothers who love sisters. We're a family, and, and like our team that we've got back in Melbourne, people come and spend a day with us or a few hours with us, and they kind of shake their heads because we're just like Margaret and I have just had an extended family. Why? Because that's the degree to which we love each other. And when you get... A, a, when you get a unity birth out of a deep love and compassion and esteem and value for each other, there's no demon in hell that can stand in the face of that. And so that's where we're heading with all of this. Now, le let me take a, a moment out to the side now. And I also got some uh, specific pictures. That's the best way to put them. And of like sometimes the Lord just draws a veil back and shows me some things coming up. Um, and uh, some of those might come up this year or some of them might come up three years from now, but that, that's not it's my job just to, to deliver them. And the uh, first one that I saw was uh, a small New Zealand town. Uh, with a, a great darkness over it, and I wrote these down in Melbourne. Uh, I, I saw massive change binding that town, and then I saw an invasion from this church 
uh, uh, going in uh, to reclaim this town. But I, what I noticed was that the worshippers were going in first. And so a band of worshippers just went down there to worship, to pray, to intercede. Uh, and, and when they had done the job, then I saw the troops come in with the word of the Lord, the signs, of the, the wonders, the bold witness. Uh, and I saw that coming in, but then I saw something very, very specific. I saw that this town had a delegation from this church come in and sit down with those in government within the town. I actually saw conversations taking place between people from this church with the mayor and the councillors of that church. And so, uh, um, and I believe the Lord has in his intention the entire reclaiming of that town. Uh, and it, 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 it's a, I, I mean, it's a town that apparently, and I don't know, but apparently from what I get in the spirit, is a town that once knew a visitation of God and lost that visitation of God. But it's going to be a reclaiming of the visitation of God. And but it's going to go far beyond that because that town is then going to, it's going to be like the whole nation will, will know there's something different about that town. The crime rate will go down. Uh, 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 um, the, 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 the sense of security in this town will be changed. Uh, the whole atmosphere will change. The culture of heaven will invade it. And so um, I leave that one with you. Uh, secondly, I saw a situation overseas. Uh, and I saw that this situation overseas was one that had always been held in very high esteem. But that it has to, but there comes a moment when it has to be re-evaluated and come under fresh scrutiny. And the word of the Lord to the leadership of the church at that time is this: Do not allow past emotional attachments to cloud your judgment of the present reality. So I just leave that with them right there. Um, then I saw a, a very positive word, an uh, 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 exciting word, really. Um, I saw a, something to do with the children's work, and I saw the changes and shifts taking place. I saw some difficult decisions in there, but the result was, was wow. The result was encounters. Uh, the children were having encounters with God uh, that were so real, so amazing, that, that, that they were actually overflowing with this encounter with God uh, 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 in their homes and with their unsaved children, uh, friends at school. So I'll leave that with you also. Um, something um, that I think has taken your senior minister by surprise, but... I, um, that's what prophets do. <laughs> then they get stoned in the car park afterwards. <laughs> um, but those, those may not be on your present agenda. Just tuck away, just tuck away there sometime for the future and then you can bring it back when you need it. A campus in the South Island. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once again, I don't know why I keep getting dragged back to this, but 
the campus in the South Island, what's going to draw you initially is not the thought of having a campus. What's going to draw you initially, in fact, you've probably almost forgotten this word at, by that stage, but what's going to draw you is that there is a hurting people that desperately need compassion and they just need help. There are wounded people, there are hurting people, they've got to be handled with a lot of gentleness and a lot of care. So the burden of them will come upon you. Right. And it'll just be a burden to help them, to, to bring them, to heal them, to see them healed, see them made whole again. But that will then eventuate into um, Church Unlimited, South Island, glory. So we'll have a look at that one, won't we? Yeah. If I come back here in three or four years' time and nothing's happened, I'll duck when I come in the car park. <laughs> All right. Now, I also saw a word for Auckland City. And this has been growing in me, and even this morning the Lord was showing me further extensions of this, but I won't go into that here. Um, I will just do what the Lord told me to do. And uh, some uh, months ago, when I was uh, having a period of isolation with the Lord in prayer, um, he gave me, uh, very rarely does he do this, he gave me a word for Auckland as a city and said, although you'll be sharing this in many places, uh, here's the three churches where I insist you share it. <laughs> so I've shared it in two of those thus far, and this is the third one. And here's what I've got to read out. For I will do a thing in this city that will cause the church globally to say, how can such a thing be that the leaders in a city could act so selflessly? This will be an initiative taken within this city that will impact, bring impact in the cities of this nation and declare a new possibility to the cities and nations of the world. It will cause my name to be established in the heart of this city in such a way that all will see it and every heart, the heart of every skeptic shall be silenced. But for it to come to pass, there must be a relinquishing of the individual agenda and the embracing of the corporate strength within the city. It involves a significant paradigm shift. It involves seeing my church in the city. And so that's what I'm going to share and, and leave with you. And <laughs> you can lose your sleep over that one. Okay. How long have we got? Right. Well, that was all an introduction. <laughs> Now, I, I want to share a collective word with you now, just for a very short time. I realize that most of my time is taken doing this. But the word the Lord shared with me very, very clearly for this morning, as part of you possessing a new era of greater spiritual authority for greater kingdom conquest. Keep it in context all the time. I want to put up now on the slide a statement. Oh, a statement. There it is. Okay. 
There is. To the degree we are surrendered, we are empowered. I want to say that again. To the degree we are surrendered, we are empowered. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, uh, Jesus uh, replying to the uh, disciples' request, uh, Lord, teach us how to pray, how should we pray? He, sa- he says this. Oh, by the way, before I read that, just, just focus me for a second. J- friends, the priority of your praying reveals the priority of your heart. And so when the disciples said, Lord, in Luke 11, 1, Lord, how should we pray? They were not asking for a prayer formula. Man, I've seen that many prayer formulas on this prayer. They weren't asking for a prayer formula. They were asking, what is the priority of your heart? What is the priority of God's heart so that when we pray, we pray in accordance with it? They wanted to be in unity with the divine intention so that they knew how to pray in accordance with it. And so Jesus starts and he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's not prayer, that's worship. Your kingdom come. It's the very first thing out of the lips of Jesus as far as a declaration of prayer, the priority of God's heart, your kingdom Come. It's interesting, we won't go there, but the last thing he mentions in that prayer is also great as like kingdom. So it starts with kingdom, finishes with kingdom, and then so that we would not misunderstand what he had just said, your kingdom come, he amplifies it. In other words, your will be done on this earth just like it is in heaven. Friends, the word kingdom there is a basilea in the Greek, and it literally translated means the authority to rule over. Now, friends, what Jesus was saying, above all else, this is the priority. My Father's authority to rule over must be established and declared on this earth. It is not about, it is not about a fire escape from hell. It's about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in men and women's lives and being manifest on the earth. It's about God's will being carried out on this earth like it is in heaven. And so whether it's in the hearts of men and women or whether it's an environment or a society or in a city or in a nation, the the kingdom of God is simply the authority of God, the rule of God being extended. When a drug addict is set free gloriously, what's just happened? What's just happened? There has come... That the, if it's ice, big thing in Australia at the moment, uh, you know, the, the authority of that drug has just been broken by a greater authority. Yeah. The authority of the Lord Jesus Christ has been proclaimed and established in a person's heart. The same thing happens in a city, a nation, and so the extension of the kingdom, because I hear people talking about it a lot, we've got to extend the kingdom, we've got to extend the kingdom. Well, friends, understand what you're saying. Uh, The kingdom of God is not extended unless the rule of God is extended. Be it with a people or a region or whatever context that is in. And when in Matthew 16, 19, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, he's actually saying, I'm going to give you the keys of how to establish my authority to rule over. 
That's what it's all about. That's a literal translation, in fact, because he doesn't say, I'll give you the keys of heaven. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. The authority to rule over. Same word. Okay, now, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. All authority. The authority to rule over in heaven or the spirit world and on the earth. Therefore, therefore, because I have all authority, you go. You go in that authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then take a look at what he says. Teach these new disciples to obey. We don't hear this preached that much in Pentecost today. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You see the terminology? That was the commission. Uh, and to come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you can be sure that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The objective was simple, that men and women would come out from under the kingdom of the authority of darkness and come into the kingdom, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 15, 14, uh, and I'm laying a foundation, John 15, 14, Jesus very clearly said this statement. I didn't write it, he did. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. When you begin to look at what the things that Jesus actually declared, everything, no matter what it is, in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking to the disciples, he was talking to the Pharisees, you read it. He was there to declare that his Father's authority and dominion should be recognized on this earth. And so, I'm wondering now, when he says that all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and we know by the miracle of the new birth, the Holy Spirit now resides in us and the, and, we, and the Lordship of Christ is flowing through who we are as people. Let me ask you a question. Do you really believe it? Uh, does your Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, and, and evening entertainment and interaction with other people and responses to crisis and, and, and responding when someone else gets the job that you've applied for. Does our lives actually reflect people who are living under the authority of the one who has all authority? You see, you see if he has all authority then his authority is greater than sickness. His authority is greater than economic realities. His authority is greater than any physical, emotional, or mental limitation. His authority is greater than the wind, the storms, and the tempest. His authority is greater than the betrayal, the false accusation, the team member that stabs you. Friends, I have settled it in my heart. There is no situation. There's no, there's no contradiction. There's no controversy that has greater authority in my life than the Lord Jesus Christ. He has all authority. He has not, and neither will he ever, abdicate. 
He's not about to abdicate his universally recognized, unassailable, indisputable, impregnable, absolute and final authority. Are you getting the message? Every demon in hell knows this to be true. And friends, he rules in me. And he rules through me. And he rules through you. Now, I've got a good fundamental question to ask about now. If all of this is true, and you can just take that off the board for a moment. But if all of that is true, why do we not see more day-to-day average body of Christ Christian people living in that kind of authority? Why do we not see, if, if, if even a relatively small percentage of the Christian body in this nation believe what I just said a few moments ago, New Zealand would be reeling under the impact. So, what is it then? Well, I, you've got to have a wonderful love relationship with God. You've got to have a good prayer life. You've got to have love the Word of God. You've got to fellowship together. All of these things, we know the stuff, but I also know people are doing that stuff. Yeah. And they still, and I mean it nicely, kindly, but they're relatively powerless. Uh-huh. So what is missing? Friends, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 10, and I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but it's called the story of the centurion. centurion. And the centurion came to Jesus and said, my, my servant's desperately ill, uh, please. And Jesus said, that's fine, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion says, you don't need to come to my house because I just recognize, so I've been watching you. I've been watching you and I recognize something in you. I mean, look at the power, look at the authority you express. I recognize something going on here. And do you know what I recognize? I recognize you're a man under authority. Because I too am a man under authority. Uh And when I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. I have enormous authority as a centurion. Because I'm a man under authority. And the Bible says that Jesus stood back and marveled at this man and said to him and to his disciples, you lot haven't got it, but this centurion's got it. I never met anybody thus far in my whole ministry that actually got it. This guy has got how the kingdom of God operates. Now let me give you a very clear little statement. The authority you're under determines the authority you carry. It is as simple as that. And my spiritual authority is determined not by stature, not by gift, not by charisma, not by achievements. It is established by whose authority, by whose authority I have been commissioned and under whose authority I currently live. 
and I've been commissioned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. He's indisputably the authority in this nation and this planet, and I have been commissioned by him. And my authority over every principality and power, over every circumstance, every opposition, and I'm not coming to you as someone who hasn't had any opposition. I've had stacks of opposition. I've had challenges physically, as you all, some of you know, and I'll tell you now, in the middle of all of that, I knew one thing. My Father has greater authority than anything that can ever come my way. And the will of God is absolute. But here's my point. It is absolute and it is final and there is no greater authority than the will and intention of my Father, but it is determined for me by the degree to which I am submitted to it. To the degree that I am submitted to the will of God, I bring the will of God to bear in my environment. Now, he is never abdicated, and because he's never abdicated, I refuse to surrender ground that his blood has paid for. I refuse to live life intimidated by forces that he already vanquished by his atonement. I refuse to live subject to the human limitations that he never bowed to. I refuse to live fearful of a devil that he's already triumphed over. He has paid the price of dominion and I will not dishonor him by living a life that does not communicate that kind of dominion. It is not humility. It is not humility for you to go around saying, I'm a nothing. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, the supreme ruler of the cosmos. And we need to begin to walk through this life representing the king who's paid his blood for the atonement of our soul. Can you say amen? Put that thing back up there. To the degree we are surrendered, we are empowered. Let me put it to you another way. To the degree that I am unconditionally in submission to his authority, his commission, his purpose, his daily instructions, to that degree I have spiritual authority in the heavenly world. Now I've got a little shake for you. Listen carefully. I want you to really make these next few minutes count. Do you realize... Do you realize that Jesus, knowing who he was, <laughs> think about it, he created everything <laughs> with his word, member of the Trinity for eternity. That Jesus, coming here in his humanity, had to play by the same rules as God intended all of us to play. He had to walk the same path as he intended us to walk. Why? Because he was a patent son. He had to do it just like we should then do it. And so in every point, he had to be tempted like we are. He had to be subject the same way we are. And here's the incredible thing. No, at the age of 12, sitting in a temple with all the teachers, confounding them with his wisdom. Of course, he was God, let's face it. And, but he was a 12-year-old boy. And I was reading that scripture the other day, and it suddenly gripped me. And when it said, 
and he returned with Joseph and Mary. And you know, he continued to serve them. Think about it. Take out the trash, Jesus. Yes, Mum. Keep it real. For, for 18 years, from his 12th uh, 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 birthday to his 30th, for 18 years, he learnt a trade that he didn't need, didn't want, and would never use as a carpenter. Why? Because Joseph told him to. And he knew something. He knew that his submission to his heavenly father was only deemed as authentic as his submission to his earthly oversight. And he had to be the patent son. Did you get what I just said? I've been telling pastors all over Australia and other nations, I am now convinced that the reason why so many pastors and churches are struggling and sweating and, 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 and breaking rocks and, and, and discouraged is because they have not been willing to go out there and find the apostolic oversight that God has already provided for them. You lose, you don't lose by placing yourself under authority, you gain. You gain everything that's on the grace of the one to whom you submit. That's biblical principle. And Jesus knew that. Friends, I've got precious, can I have an extra couple? What else can the poor man say? <laughs> but friends, listen. I had about four or five months where I was just medically, I was isolated, I wouldn't go into all that, and had nobody, me and Margaret and the father, it was wonderful stuff. And one morning I said, Lord, be good to know what all this is about. And he said this, I want the rest of your life as a blank sheet of paper. I want that degree of surrender. And I reacted, I, I said, but Father, you've always had that. I mean, I'd do anything you ask. I mean, you got that already. You got that already. He said, oh, really, really? And, and he held up this piece of paper. And on this piece of paper, there was a few little words written, but they'd been written like with a paintbrush rather than a fine pen, you know, kind of fairly large. And, and they were just the sort of things that anybody would have thought, oh, David, oh, yeah, that's who he is, like... He's prophet, he's this, he's that. You know, very broad stroke statements about who I was as a person. And, and I, yeah. And then he took this pen and he began to write all this stuff over the top of the other print. And he says, is that clear to you? I says, no. <laughs> and he said, when I ask for a blank piece of paper, that's what I mean. He said, I want you to take everything and everything that you think you get value and worth out of, everything that you feel others recognize in you, everything that you feel is yours, I want it all off the sheet of paper. I want nothing left there. 
And I came to a place a few mornings later where I said, Father, if it's just me sitting under a gum tree with a kookaburra giving you worship 24 hours a day, that's it. That's good enough for me. If I never preach again, if I never minister again, I don't care what I do, Father, as long as I know that I'm only doing that which you've breathed into my spirit to do. And God began to speak. And then a couple of weeks later, he spoke another word. Then another word. Just one word at a time. Until now, I've got the next two or three decades mapped out. I, I, so, but, but this time, they're so clear. They're so precise. And I have such a sense of renewed authority and grace in my life because I know they were breathed onto that paper by God. And the only reason I know that is because I have lost all conditions. I lost all uh, uh, my appeals to it. It was a blank sheet of paper. And friends, I'm just going to close right now, but I want to ask you the question, how surrendered are you really? God wants to breathe the strategies of heaven into every single young person, to every marriage, to every vocation, to every business person, to everybody in ministry, to every church. God wants to breathe strategies from heaven that will birth a new era, that will bring forth an explosion of spiritual authority and dominion and extend the kingdom of God around this globe. But what he needs is surrendered hearts. So I wonder, can we just bow our heads for a moment? Just bow our heads right now. Just don't worry about anybody or anything else. There used to be an old chorus, and I wouldn't spring it on the the team this morning because it wouldn't be fair, but we used to sing an old chorus, uh, a hymn many years ago, I Surrender All. I surrender all, all to you, I surrender. All I'm going to ask right now, I'm not going to linger, I'm not going to appeal, I'm not going to try and make it emotive. I'm just going to say this to you. If it's your desire, I'm not saying you're there yet, but if it's your desire, if it's your desire to come to a place of unconditional surrender to the point where God could begin to breathe his thoughts, his intentions, his purposes into you and your future to that degree, and you're willing to say this morning, I actually surrender all. I surrender all. Then just stand to your feet right now. Say, Father, I just surrender it all. I get, uh, Father, here's my blank sheet of paper. Here's my blank sheet of paper, Father. And, and Lord, over the next few days and weeks and months, my God, I am going to be so listening to the voice of heaven. I am going to be so listening to the, the Holy Ghost. And I am going to be anticipating voice of God speaking the strategies of heaven into my spirit. And maybe in a crowd this size, you, you may have come in here and, and 
did not know Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, well, let me say to you then, don't, 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 don't leave the building. Don't leave the building. I talked about a lot about coming under the command of the Lord Jesus this morning, but I want to tell you that when you do that, when you do that, you are ushered into the most powerful, loving relationship. I was going to say known to the heart of man, but it can't even be known to the heart of man. Uh, um, my father and I uh, have such a loving relationship, and I'm telling you, he's just beckoning you to come with him this morning. So please, just, just surrender it all to Jesus and let the power of who he is change your life and bring you into that loving embrace of your father this morning. Father, we do love you. We offer you our hearts. We offer you our hearts unconditionally in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Tonight I... Tonight I want to minister very specifically, I trust you'll all be here, on the master key. Because everything I preach to the staff, everything I preach to the leadership on Friday night, everything I said today, can either be hard work, a religious endeavor, perseverance, or it can be a delight. It can, it can be the most powerful buzz. It can be the most exciting, awesome journey, but it depends on one master key. All the other keys. We have many keys in life, prayer, faith, uh, obedience, uh, word of God, many, many keys. But for them to operate, they depend on the master key. So I pray I'll see you tonight and we'll take a look at it together. And just as I'm handing over the leadership, just let me tell you that out in the foyer, I believe there's material that will really empower you. All of our stuff on the prophetic now, our prophetic seminars, our prophetic material, just infinitum, is all on one USB. Um, the classics of USB, for anybody that's looking towards leadership, people that are looking towards helping others, uh, all of the leadership series, the Leaders of Destiny series, Walking in Spiritual Authority and Dominion. There, there's just, I don't know how many, 24 DVDs, books. It's just a virtual library, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of stuff, all just on one USB for a fraction of that cost. An incorruptible heart. Um, anybody moving into leadership or wants to influence the lives of others, please, I, I, if God's got your heart, he's got all of you. We have that going around the world at the moment with churches adopting it as their foundational book for leadership. You did what is full of faith adventures. It'll build your faith, build your spiritual authority, build your anticipation that God is a God of the miraculous. And uh, then where did it go? The book. Hmm? The book's not, ah, uh, the book. Well, I wasn't talking about the Bible when I said the book. I was talking about this one. Uh, um, but Bulletproof Your Marriage, Margaret's book, and, and with great humility, let me add that this book is outselling all the others put together. Uh, and uh, 
<laughs> Anything I've ever written, you know, just got left in the dust. And it is a powerful, powerful book on marriage and human relationships and a lot of funny stuff in there too. The Lord bless you and thank you for your patience. It's going to be an incredible year, incredible year. As you live a fully surrendered life, the new era will be birthed leading to greater spiritual authority and greater global conquest. God bless you.